And I heard the Spirit of God say, when the fire and glory mean more than anything else to us, the toys, the trappings, the activities that we hold so precious, then we will see those things that we've been praying about and singing about. I believe that with all my heart and it just has to mean more. It has to mean more than, you know, we're all busy, we've all got activities and you know, the busiest place of all is ministry. And when ministry becomes more important than God's purpose and and the kingdom, then, you know, and and it's so easy for that to happen, isn't it? So let's not allow that to happen. You know, um, if we turn to Matthew chapter 6, there's really just one verse that I have to start with. I've got some scripture to look at. But as Bert said, I want to look today at being a kingdom ambassador. Um, It's all about the kingdom these days. I feel the Lord's putting that emphasis on us. Bert brought that out. And and all I think that we're really been coming from our speakers has been kingdom. Okay? Uh, Because Jesus came preaching the kingdom. John the Baptist came preaching the kingdom before him. And... So I want to look at kingdom today. First of all, uh, what is the kingdom in the sense of what are we talking about when we speak about kingdom? But this verse, let's start with this. It says, and we know it very well, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Now, there are a lot of people, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, there are a lot of people who would say, Oh yes, pastor, amen. Put God first. And all these things shall be added. Amen? But that's not what he said. I know loads of people who are putting God first and they're not getting that supply that he says. He says you'll be supplied. These things that the nations seek after, these things that you need to function, these things the Father knows that you need and that you're in need of, These things will be added to you when you seek first the kingdom. But he didn't say put God first. Because lots of people put God first and they don't see the supply. Because he said seek first the kingdom. He didn't say seek first a whole bunch of other stuff that we put in there. And, And you know, he's talking here about prioritizing and seeking the kingdom. Because a lot of people want to live their Christian lives without seeking first the kingdom, without even considering the kingdom, without the kingdom feature. Because if you don't have a kingdom mindset, then you will uh, fall prey to a religious mindset or you will fall prey to a defeatist mindset. Okay? Uh, I read this this morning on the internet and I just want to read it out to you. Inaccurate eschatology. In other words, getting it wrong about the end times causes the church to wait for a king who already reigns. See that whole thing, the soon coming king? A lot of people have translated that in their minds to he's not going to be king till he comes. And that ain't Bible. Wait for a kingdom they're already in. Oh, we're waiting for the kingdom. You know that Kumbaya, Michael rode the boat ashore, kingdom, you know, it's all up there and it's, it's, it's all it's castles in the sky but no, we're in the kingdom right now the kingdom is in us right now wait to become what they already are that's one wait for an age that has already come, the kingdom age is here wait for victory that's already been won and Wait to do what they should already be doing. So, we're either in the kingdom or we're waiting for the kingdom. But you can wait. I'm in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. We need to be kingdom-minded people. So, let's talk about kingdom because it's difficult even for us who live in a kingdom, the United Kingdom, and who have a queen and a monarchy because we have emphasised the democracy part of our uh, constitutional system, haven't we? 
we elect our leaders every four or five years, and we do that in Scotland, we do that in, in the UK. So, and, and there are countries or nations where they don't have a monarchy. So to talk about kingdom, but you know, Jesus never said, thy democracy come, pray thy republic come. Heaven is not a republic. Heaven is not a democracy. Jesus isn't up for election every five years or every 5,000 years or ever. He's a king. And we're blessed because we live in a kingdom. I believe that. We're really blessed. And you know, you say, well, what about a royal family or what about this one or this, that bad king? Well, that's just life. That's life in the Bible. Uh, even the Davidic throne, which was in the southern kingdom of Judah, they had bad kings. In fact, the worst king of all was King Manasseh. He was worse than any king of Israel, including Ahab. So um, we're going to have bad kings, dud kings, and even in the new covenant era, unless we do what the Bible commands us to do and pray for kings and those in authority. Yeah. You know why our nation's in a mess? Because not enough Christians take that seriously. So what is a kingdom? A kingdom is the domain of the king. There is no voting in kingdoms. The opinion of the people in kingdoms does not matter. Because in a kingdom, the word of the king is law. A true kingdom. Your opinion and my opinion don't matter in God's kingdom. Amen? Now, agreeing with God matters, but our, our, our actual opinion, we're not asked for it. You're not allowed to question the word of the king or vote on his commands. You know, imagine having a vote. Or, you know, let's just get through some of these things Jesus said here in this gospel. Yeah. And let's vote as to whether or not we should, in, the, in 2021, come, that's what men have done. They've said, oh, I don't like that bit there. That's not love. We'll tear it out. If the king can be questioned, listen to this, if the king can be questioned, then he loses his role as supreme ruler and potentate. That word potentate means all-powerful one. You know, if Jesus' word can be questioned, he's not king of kings, lord of lords. He's not lord. But of course, he can't be questioned. This book, this word is eternal. So it's an eternal kingdom that we are plugged into and connected with. And it's an eternal, and we'll look at that further on in this message. Now, of course, in a kingdom, benefits come to those who say yes to the king. And I'm not talking about unemployment benefits. <laughs> I'm talking about blessings, benefits, you know, promises for, of obedience. They come to those who say yes to the king or who obey him. Because here's the thing in a kingdom. You're either with him, the king, or you're against him. And, you know, I could preach a whole bunch of sermons on what it means to rebel against a, a human king, and particularly in relation to the word, particularly in relation to the Davidic throne, because the Davidic throne and the throne of... In fact, the Davidic throne was called the throne of the Lord. That's what they called Solomon's throne, the throne of the Lord. Not the throne of Solomon, the throne of the Lord, the throne of Yahweh. And that divine connection between the king on the throne of David and the king in, in heaven, in heaven's throne room. And here's the thing, the, in a kingdom, the king owns everything. Yes. Okay? Undisputedly, the king owns everything in a kingdom. Everybody has their needs met, with a benevolent king, of course, because a king provides out of his abundance. Amen? Our king supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. Yes. So, again, it's the same, the same thing as Jesus says here, seek first the kingdom because it's a kingdom of glory. Open up the gates that the king of glory may come in. The kingdom is a kingdom of glory because the king is a king of glory. And it's in the glory that all our suppliers. My God will supply all your need. Out of that invisible realm, your visible needs here or the things you feel here, he will meet them out of a place where you can't see the source. Yeah. Unless you're looking with the eyes of faith or you find it in this book. Because if your need 
uh, or your perceived need is to be the best bank robber in Glasgow, you'll not find that in this book. Or if your need is to be uh, the best adulterer in Glasgow, you'll not find that in this book. So it has to be something you can find here. And if you can find it here, it already exists in the glory. Why? Because there's a kingdom of glory. There's a kingdom in the glory realm and God has already met all our needs. Remember that famous uh, experience that Robert Slayden had where he went to heaven and he saw the warehouses, big vast warehouses, and he said, What's, what are they for? And I think it was an angel, whoever it was, said to him, that's where all the healings are. And they've all got people's names on them. Because God has already provided. There will be loads of those things never claimed. But if you need healing today, a new body part today or a healing today, it's in that warehouse, it's in that invisible realm of glory. And all you have to do to pay for it is take the faith that's in you and go and pay for that healing. Because it's a kingdom of supply. And it's a kingdom of supply. You know, we talk about revival in this dear land in days of yore and all these things. That revival that we seek is up there waiting for people desperate enough. But I say desperate, I don't mean, you know, begging for it. I mean hungry enough for it. Again, I was reading something Smith Wigglesworth said, the secret of spiritual success is constant hunger. Yeah. Yes. Constant hunger. Oh, but you bless me out of my socks. I want more. Never settling. Never being satisfied. Feed me till I want no more. I don't like that uh, version. I prefer feed me now and evermore. Because I will always want more. Not lack. It's not lack, it's hunger. You know that way you married folks you just can't get enough of your spouse. You're giggling at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. So, in a kingdom, the king wins everything. Now, watch this. Uh, psalm 72, verse 12. You don't need to look it up. I'll just read it for you. And this is a psalm for Solomon. Okay, so it's a psalm about kings. About the descendants of David. Proving that God didn't just say, well, David's dead, you know, I'll, I'll, I can slack off now. I don't need to bother so much about the offspring. No, no. The Davidic throne, if anything, grows in blessing yeah. as time goes on. But it says about the king, the king that sits in, and this is what we look for from kings. This is the heart of a king, or it should be. For he shall deliver the needy when he crieth, the poor also, and him that hath no helper. A king's heart is toward the poor. Amen. And if you don't have a king or a national leader who has a heart for the poor, then that's why we need to get to praying. Because in a kingdom, the king says, everybody eats at my table. Everybody eats at my expense. Nobody goes poor. Nobody goes without Nobody goes hungry because a king provides out of his abundance. We're talking kingdom here. Many kingdoms are not benevolent kingdoms. Instead, they are malevolent kingdoms. And that's the problem, isn't it? Psalm 2. Why, is, why are the nations in a turmoil? Why are the, why are the peoples fallen after vanity and foolishness? Because the kings of the earth have taken up a position and set themselves against Yahweh and against his anointed they haven't listened to this message and said, that's the way we need to go. But you see, we are ambassadors for heaven's king. Yes. And we're going to look at that, what that means. A true king desires to establish benevolent rule in every part of the universe. The true king, I'm speaking about Jesus here. The true king Jesus desires to establish benevolent rule in every part of creation or the universe because he is good and his mercy endures forever. That's his nature, his character, his attributes, his essence, his person. Now when the master taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he was speaking about colonization. 
the colonization of the earth, invade the earth, take it over, set up my kingdom, and then I can come. If I have to. Amen. That's maybe not the eschatology you used to, but what he's saying is, uh, my jo- uh, your job is not done till it's ready. Now, we, we have a funeral in here next week, and it's a big one, and it's an important one, an important member of the church for decades. And so we're not just going to... Um, I've just come in the way it is. We've already started doing even some minor refurbishments, not just because of the funeral, but you understand, Jesus isn't coming back till the nations are his footstool, till it's all ready for him and it's all pristine and, and, and conquered for him and under the control of his people. Now, that goes against a whole bunch of teaching, oh, well, it's all going to fall apart and, and the Lord's going to come and deliver us at the very last second before disaster strikes. Tell that to the, folk, the Christians in Afghanistan or China. See all that rapture business of we'll not go through great tribulation. That's a white western teaching. It won't happen to us in Britain and America. It's happening all over the world. They're going through tribulation. The Covenanters went through tribulation. They didn't get raptured. What was it you said, Stevie? 18,000 graves in Ayrshire alone. Come on, folks. Jesus is coming back for a glorious bride and a victorious church, a victorious ecclesia. A kingdom-centric, kingdom-ruling church. Now, Jesus said, now watch this, uh, we're not finished here. Jesus was speaking about colonization in the Lord's Prayer. I like this phrase, heavenize the earth. I actually think the Lord should have used those words. <laughs> Heavenize the earth. Maybe in 2021 he would have. Because we understand what he means. Bring the culture, the authority, the power, the dominion of heaven and put it right where you live in your backyard and in your city and in your towns and your nation. Heavenize the place. Colonize it. To bring it up to the standard of heaven. When we curse the place we live in, the Bible says by the blessing of the upright, the the city is exalted. But it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Now, that doesn't mean all the criminals and drug dealers and gangsters. What it means is to speak against your city is wicked speech. Crooked speech. Because, and, and we all do it. Oh, that place is a dump. Oh, where'd you come from? The Garengad. Oh, my goodness. What a dump that is. Or, oh, that place is God, God-forsaken territory. Yeah? But we're not supposed to speak like that. We're supposed to bless it. We're supposed to say, let every square inch of the city be saturated with glory. And they call Glasgow the sick man of Europe. That's a word curse. That's overthrowing Glasgow with wicked speech. What we should be seeing is Glasgow is a center, a worldwide, a world center of divine healing. Glasgow is where the whole world comes to get healed. Because in their eyes, Scotland, we think men and women will lay hands on you and you'll walk out healed. We need to change the mindset. And we need to start speaking Bible. The problem in life the problems of life uh, they are they're only problems when they get into your speech. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When they get in, into your lips and you start talking the problem instead of speaking. In fact, I think, is it this month or some cancer awareness month? And people wearing their wee badges and all that stuff, right? Well, I'm healer awareness. I'm healing awareness. Amen. Because we don't celebrate a, a, a vile, demonic, devilish uh, activity of demons and wear a wee badge to, to, you know, to commemorate that. Or to, to. I'm healer awareness. I'm Bible awareness. That's how we should be thinking. I'm kingdom awareness. 
I'm not conscious of what's happening in the kingdom of darkness. I know about it, I understand it, but my job, just like Jesus, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil, I'm looking around and I see sons of God. And if he had that purpose, what's your purpose? The same thing. It's a kingdom purpose. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The new birth is the entrance to the kingdom. You must be born into the kingdom. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, it's not a religious club. It's not a social club. You must be born into it. And to be born into it, you must die. Your old man must be crucified with him. So it's the club of the crucified, but it's also the club of the risen, the ascended, and the glorified. John the Baptist came preaching the kingdom. Jesus came preaching the kingdom. Both preached the kingdom is at hand. You go and study that out in the Greek, you'll see within grasp. But you know, that was back then when they preached it. The still old covenant. For believers in the new covenant era, it's not at hand. It's within. Amen. It's at hand for those who are out with it. But for us who are kingdom people, we are walking representations of the kingdom. We carry the kingdom with us wherever we go. Um, now, let's, let's, I want to, want to show, let's get into the we are ambassadors part of it. Okay, because this is electrifying. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and again, a familiar passage to us, but let's just read uh, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. And he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, we want to talk about new creation. But... That little phrase, all, sorry, old things have passed away. There should be nothing of your Adamic, previous Adamic existence that should cling to you now that you're a new creature in Christ. You know, oh, I've got bad, you get all this stuff, um, oh, you need counselling for what happened to you when you were a child or when you were younger or, or all that. But if that was part of Adam... It's passed away. It was nailed to the cross. I'm not being blasé with the people that have trauma and hurts and so on. But you know what? The best uh, medicine for all that stuff is the word of God, not some uh, therapist somewhere who really just wants to hear all your troubles for their own lurid reasons. Or giving you human solutions. There's a divine solution to the Adamic life. Okay, and it's not self-improvement. Self-improvement is of the devil. The, the, the Adamic life was nailed to the cross in Christ. Old things have passed. So before you even come into how, how do we function in the kingdom, leave the old stuff behind. The old mindsets, the old ways of thinking. And you know, a lot of those Adamic ways of thinking have still made their way into church. And then it's so-called Christian living. And it's not kingdom living. So old things have passed away, all things have come to. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. If you're a kingdom ambassador, you have a ministry of reconciliation. You have a job to do, which is reconcile fallen man, fallen woman, fallen children with their creator, through Jesus Christ. Just like you received it, you then preach it, proclaim it, share it. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. You know, we need to start taking uh, responsibility and say to ourselves that we need to bring the ministry of reconciliation to Scotland. You know, there's an individual application of this for sure. But we, we need to start thinking nationally, don't we? And go before God and say, Lord, this, this Scotland that in days of yore 
was, and you know, maybe a lot of that we're a wee bit romantic about. I'm sure it wasn't always as wonderful, much better. It was much better Scotland when I was, uh, you know, a, a, young, a younger Christian. But it wasn't perfect. And you know, the trajectory back then was where we are right now. Because declension, decline, uh, backsliding and stuff. That was going on back then. Churches were, um, people, Christians, sorry, were, uh, they, they weren't recognizing the power of God and they substituted religion for it. But then it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and impute, not imputing their trespasses to him and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. If you're a kingdom ambassador, you carry God's message of reconciliation yes. to any man. You know, I, I did a radio interview last week, uh, a Christian radio station. Um, I was speaking about George Best. My dad was his agent. And um, this lady uh, had sent him a Bible and a tract while he was in hospital, when he was, you know, he was dying. Uh, and then she found out a couple of years later that I think three weeks before he died, he gave his heart to the Lord. And there's a, there's a wee tract about it in one of my Bibles. And uh, of course, my dad was George's agent and I got to know George. And so I'd shared it with this woman. She said, oh, you need to come on this radio station. But what I said to her was, uh, when my dad was his agent, my dad, because I was a Christian, he would say to me, you correspond with all the Christians that write to George. Because people would, you know, people would write to George and say, you're on my heart, the Lord's put you in my heart. I'm praying for you. So all these Christians all over the place were praying for him. And there was a guy called Ken Stallard who was a sort of famous evangelist back in the 80s, 70s, 80s. And he wrote a couple of books and he sent them to George. And I, I'd lost them, but I actually was given one of his books yesterday in a batch of books. So it was a real blessing. And I used to uh, correspond to this guy, Ken Stallard. Um, and he, was, he really had George in his heart. So I'm saying, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm in the camp, you know, I'm, I'm praying with you and all this. So that these, guys, these people get blessed because they knew. But God must have put George's best on loads of people's hearts. And, and this, this lady found out uh, that her tract in her book, it's believed that that tract was what caused him. So she was blessed by that. But this guy, Ken Stallard, and, and that was part of what the radio interview was about, he had this ministry to celebrities. He personally led Ronnie and Reggie Cray to Christ weeks before both, both of them died, you know, at, at different times. The two of them were They actually sent for him, I believe. And, they, they, you know, they were sincere in their repentance. So we're going to get a lot of surprises, Absolutely. aren't we? Yeah. When you walk in and go, oh, oh, where, oh, I know you. Where do I know you from? Oh, oh you're the gangster that killed 25 people. Yeah, he broke in. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you get in here? Ah, he broke in. But that's the thing. We have the ministry of reconciliation. And isn't it glorious that the worst and vile of, we would say, of sinners, of gangsters and criminals, that they'll be there. But a lot of poor-faced religious folks that we think our brothers and sisters won't be. But and that's another sermon. But anyway, two Corinthians. And then this is where I want us to go. With this okay, verse twenty. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. God were pleading through us. We implore you, in Christ, have be reconciled to God. You know, he's saying here, we're ambassadors for Christ. You know, like you get a national ambassador, okay? We'll talk about that in a minute. But he says, God was pleading through us. It's not just us in our own feeble efforts trying to get, oh, you know, Jesus loves you. Give your heart to Jesus. And too often that's what our soul winning is about trying to persuade people how it's in their benefit, you know, and all that, that implication, if not said outright, come to Jesus and all your troubles will be over. But no, he's saying God, we're pleading through us. And what he's saying is, is that we carry what we proclaim. 
the very presence of God. The glory and the fire and the presence of God. It's not something we speak about. It's up there. You can connect with it. He's saying it's, it's, it's channeling and funneling its way through us as vessels. Kingdom ambassadors. Kingdom ambas- ambassadors. Uh, I'll come back to that word ambassadors in a minute. But nations do not send just anybody to be their ambassadors. They choose people who present and embody the culture and values of the nation. Now, I understand that this is saying here that every believer in Christ is an ambassador. But I believe what what it really means is in potential. Okay, because not everybody is walking in this. But your ambassadors carry great weight. In the natural, what, what do they carry in the supernatural? We are all ambassadors for Christ, but it is incumbent upon us to walk the walk of our faith, to be worthy representatives of what we proclaim. If we're not walking the walk, as David says, when I maybe have the odd episode of road rage, no, that's not what a pastor should be doing. Yeah? I don't believe that. (laughs) ambassadors are by necessity matured elders in the faith true ambassadors we're all ambassadors but to really be a proper like a like a a famous it's not about fame i don't like using that word but somebody we could all recognize like a billy graham type figure you know oral roberts that type of thing we're all ambassadors even if we're not famous but we should be walking in such a way that people say they are an accurate representation or representative of the kingdom that they're telling us about. And just to electrify a wee bit, I remember, was it the last time I spoke on uh, appoint elders? Well, this word ambassadors in the Greek is G4243 in your strongs if you want to look it up. Presbyo from the base of G245 in Strong's Presbyteros the word ambassadors means elders Ah, it means a senior mature elder somebody who's matured now that doesn't mean to say if you're a new Christian you can't be an ambassador I don't think but the word that they use in the Greek is so important because they don't just say to people fresh out of high school, oh, you've just uh, done your hires, well done, you're now the ambassador to France. They pick mature, responsible people who embody the culture and the values and can present what a nation is to other nations. And, And I believe the Lord's saying to us, if you want to be a kingdom ambassador, then you have to embody the kingdom. You have to be a vessel of fire and glory. You have to carry in you what you're telling them about. And if you're not carrying it, then you better have an encounter with God so that you can really be an ambassador for the kingdom of God. You have to have an encounter. You have to have an experience. But more important than even than them, you have to have a relationship. You have to be in that place. You have to be a father to your nation. If you're going to be an ambassador in another. That's important. That's why they pick what they call statesmen and people of, you know, uh, respectful people. They don't, they, don't, they don't just say, oh, you're just out of prison. You can be our ambassador to that country. We pick people who are living embodiments and who carry about them something of the nation that they're going to be, uh, represent. And here's the thing as well, folks, because there's a lot of us, and listen, there are two sides to this, there's a part of this, that we, 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 we expect it, but sometimes we're in too much faith for it. Which is, and we know the Bible says it, and it's part and parcel, we, we, we understand it, that we're going to be persecuted. But there are a lot of people that have more faith in being persecuted than anything else. Or they have more faith in persecution than they have in the favour of God. Yeah. 
And the Bible says that in the early church, they, they had the favor of all the people. Now, I know it turned to persecution, but there's some people, it's, it's all persecution, it's all that, oh, the haters, the haters, the haters, the haters, the haters, and there's never any of the other side. But you know, if you're an ambassador, ambassadors don't go to countries and expect to be persecuted. They don't go to countries and represent their nation and, you know, um, they're held under house arrest. That's, this cannot happen in the world of diplomacy. And in fact, uh, if you have diplomatic status, which means you're under uh, ambassadorial domain in a country, you're actually immune from a lot of uh, uh, prosecution. Like that woman who knocked down the the lad in London, uh, went off back to America and, well, kill the boy, that's okay. Because you can't touch me. I have diplomatic immunity. An ambassador of a nation, listen to this, and this is, this is, this is the diplomatic uh, culture of things in, in that world. An ambassador of a nation expects to be treated with respect. Wherever he or she is sent, as he or she represents a kingdom. We don't just, you know... Um, we're not going to go out today from here and throw tomatoes at the U.S. consul or the ambassador for, you know, whatever. We're not going to do that, are we? Because we understand, as a civilized society, that even if we disagree with stuff that a nation is doing, um, I, I, I did an experience the other day where this guy was on Facebook Virtue signaling. He'd bought a Bible. In fact, he'd bought uh, a single column New King James uh, Bible, and it was the black one of this, right? It was a black one. And he's going, it's a, it's, it's a fairly nice Bible, but he says, it's made in China. And so they have a poor human, you know, a pure uh, human rights. Human rights record type thing but it's a fairly nice bible so i put to the guy just to encourage him to try to say look don't feel bad about your bible i says i've got the brown one it's a very nice bible okay indeed it is not that's what i got back indeed it is not and then all this about you know how the chinese they they are persecuting christians on i says i'm only saying what you said i said i'm only talking about the book i'm not talking about china and because he's, he's virtue signaling. But you see, this is the thing, is that you, you can have disagreements with how certain nations conduct their affairs, but we, you're not going to go out and start bombing their embassy. Do you understand? Yeah. Why? Because you understand that diplomacy, um, diplomacy will exhaust every means possible to maintain peace. Because a diplomat's job, an ambassador's job, is to reconcile. So an ambassador might be summoned by a prime minister or even a monarch and say, look, we're not happy with you know, what you've done over here, what you're doing here. And the ambassador's job is to keep the peace. Yeah. <clears throat> Amen. So you and I might not be happy with what we see out there. You and I might not be happy... Uh, 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 to see people smoking outside the church or you hear the odd curse word or whatever, that, that, that the folks that come aren't, you know, they aren't as holy as you and I. But our job is to be ambassadors and to reconcile. And they say, I don't like how those folks conduct themselves, but until it gets to a place where you, you've got to say, look, move on, you show that uh, Ministry of reconciliation to them. Amen. Because, you know, a lot of folks, they want revival, but every, they want everybody that gets revived or gets saved to be married, to be respectful, to be middle class, to have a job, to be tithers from day one. Amen. But that's not what's out there, folks. That's not what's out there. That's not the harvest. What's out there is 
women with children to several men, and they're not married. What's out there is uh, <coughs> people taking crack cocaine in between reading the Bible. What's out there is folks with broken and depressed lives. So if you're going to have a minister of reconciliation, you can't have a list of rules and regulations that say, well, you need to be respectable, uh, you need to have five O grades, or whatever it is, you understand? Or you have to have a university degree because you, we won't accept you into membership. And, oh, you live in that slum. The kingdom takes broken people and turns them into ambassadors. Amen. That's the kingdom of God. And the kingdom brings the power of God into broken lives so that the kingdom comes and the will of God starts to be done in those people's lives, changing them, transforming them, renewing them until they themselves become... And we all, we've all, we all know people, ex-drug addicts, ex-alcoholics, who've been uh, delivered from that and you've got ministries and, you know, John Edwards, for example. But there's still a whole bunch of folks that are still in the process. They've not got that yet. They've not attained that yet. An ambassador has no fear of going to heads of state and attending important meetings. Yeah. I remember listening to a tape uh, by Robert Schlierden, uh, and he said about the first time God had put him in front of a president, and he was telling the testimony of that, and he says in the tape, it's going to happen to you. A few weeks later, I'm standing in Houston Airport, and uh, this is a long time ago now, when I think about it, but right there beside me, beside me with no guards, no aides, just standing, you know, kind of looking very casual, was Henry McLeish, who was the first minister of Scotland at the time. And I could just say, hi, Henry. So I actually said to the Lord, I said, what do you want me to say to this man? And the Lord said, I don't want you to say anything to him. I just want to show you, I can put you in front of anybody. I can put you in front of anybody and you, you don't have the obstacles that you might have. You know? I, I, I had a friend of mine who uh, actually found himself um, next to the Prime Minister and jumped in the car and started talking to the Prime Minister. Beyond all the bodyguards and so on. God can do this. But what I want to show you this is, watch this. Turn to Acts chapter 9. Now, would you, Acts chapter 9, folks, would you say that, that Paul was a prototype Christian? <coughs> it's Paul that just wrote here, you're ambassadors, we're ambassadors. This is a vital part because when we talk in here about the nation, about Scotland, about the UK, um, we need to understand we're not now, Bert, I remember Bert saying this way back, and it's always stuck with me because it's so true. We're not beggars. We're not mendicants. We're not, oh, it's just us. It's just uh, we, we, us type thing. You know, we're just, oh, you know, plebs. You're not a pleb if you're a Christian. I remember, in fact, in Alex's office one day, a man saying, oh, I don't want to be a king or, a, or a, a, a bishop. I'm just a pawn for God. And I said, God has no pawns. You can be a king, you can be a queen, you can be a knight, you can be a bishop, but you can't be a pawn in the kingdom. God doesn't have pawns. And that's what... Uh, if Paul's your prototype, watch this, Acts chapter 9, verse 10. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision he's seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. 
Are you sure? Are you sure you want me to go? Type thing. And here is he here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But look what the Lord said to him. This is the thing that we miss. We miss this about Paul's ministry. Who was Paul called to? You ask Christians and you'll get different responses. But you almost invariably will not get what the Bible says. Well, Paul was called to his own people. Then he was called to the nations. Or someone said, no, he was called to the Jews. No, he was called to the Gentiles, called to the nations. But look what the Bible says. The Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel. Chosen vessel. Chosen vessel. Paul the prototype Christian. Paul the example. If Paul was a chosen vessel, you're a chosen vessel. This guy wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Of mine, to bear my name before Gentiles. Kings and the children of Israel. So you see, you get this, oh, well, he went to his own people first, but then God's changed it. Almost that like God changes. God sort of, you know what, this isn't working. I've made a mistake. Paul's going to all these Jews, and they're stoning them, and so I'll send them to the nations now. That's not what the Bible says. It says the nations, and it actually says his own people last, but look what it says in between. Kings. Kings. Arise, shine. Isaiah chapter 60. Kings will come to the brightness of your rising. That's the dimension, folks, that we miss. That's the thing that we don't see. Oh, well, God's called us uh, to the poor, so I, I'm going to start a, a, a soup kitchen in George Square because God loves the poor. But he, he loves the poor, but he sends us to kings. He sends us to the good men. Why? Because the gatekeepers can do far more for the poor in a society than you can with your soup kitchen. If you... If you influence a king or a prime minister or, or, or a council leader, they will do far because they've got the resources that you don't have. They've got the access that you don't have. They've got the means to reach the people that you have a heart for. And it's not wrong to have a heart for the poor, of course not. But we need to, 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 to do it God's way because we're not... see. We're kingdom ambassadors. Ambassadors are not going... The ambassador of America is not going to chap your door in your house and say, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm the US ambassador. He's not. It's not going to happen. Unless you've got something that's of interest to his nation. Paul was sent to kings. We are sent to kings. That means leaders, national leaders, national rulers. All right, I need to press on with this now. See, you're not a refugee, you're an ambassador. Ambassadors must know their identity, role, and authority. Why did God make you a king priest in the Melchizedek order? Why does the Bible keep telling us you're kings and priests, you're a royal priesthood? Why? Because, well, here's why. If you weren't, no king would listen to you. Yeah. You know, Bill Gates... And Jeff Bezos and all these billionaires, they're not coming to this meeting. Why? Because we've got nothing to interest. But I can tell you right now, if you and I made more money than them, they'd be sitting there. How'd you do it? That's why the Bible says kings come to the brightness of your rising. Because you've got something that you carry that they don't have. Yes. And for kings of the earth, that must mean something really powerful. And they won't speak to you if you're a pleb. The Bible says that, that people don't listen to the poor. Am I right? The poor have no influence. So we have to understand. See, if we're walking in it and functioning in it, like men of old did, men like, even in our own era, but Billy Graham and Oral Roberts, people like that, they had the ear of presidents. Why? Because what they carried. They were ambassadors, and they knew they were ambassadors. And they walked in that identity, and they were humbly, of course. They weren't strolling in in pride and arrogance. But 
We've got too much false humility sometimes going on. Oh, I'm nothing. I'm just a worm. Come on, folks. You're an ambassador. And you are royalty. You're a royal priesthood. You're a king priest. An ambassador is an authorized messenger. You're authorized. If you're not authorized, you're not an ambassador for anybody. An ambassador is a representative of the king that sent them. That means to represent, representer, and present means to display. They need to see something that that piques their interest. And that says, you know what, I'm going to go to that guy's meeting. Or I need that guy's book. Or, Bert, uh, I've got your number from so-and-so. You've got something that I need. Nicola Sturgeon. Or John Swinney. You've certainly got stuff that he needs, which is intelligence and... Anyway, personality. Why do we... What do we represent? The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. If you're not as he is, you're not a representative. He set that system up, not us. They don't just send anybody to be an ambassador. We are king priests in the order of Melchizedek. Now, very quickly, going to uh, uh, just show you this, and we'll close with this. And it's so important. Psalm forty-seven, folks. You have to be the embodiment. As he is, so are we. Now, everything, everything, and and especially being a kingdom ambassador, especially that, but everything in the kingdom comes down to this. You must know who you are. Because if you see yourself as less than who you really are, you can't really represent, can you? You can talk. Oh, you need Jesus in your life. You can tell people that. But if they see your life as a representation of kingdom, dominion, authority, glory, power, healing, salvation, deliverance, uh, power over demons, power over circumstances, if they see that, they'll listen. And, of course, love. But if you're just shuffling along, you know, um, you're that, that... if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Well, for a lot of Christians, it's if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. Because, uh, you know, um, I'm blessed. I'm happy. Yeah, it's great being a Christian. That's how a lot of us live, isn't it? People don't see the difference. They don't see that what you're an ambassador of is going to do any good for them. So that's why they don't come. So if you're saved and you know it, tell your face. Now watch this. Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Now this is the king that we're an ambassador of. For Yahweh Most High is awesome. Amen. He's awesome. Uh, I think the King James says terrible. Not terrible as in, oh, he's, he's, he's terrible, God. He's terrible. He's awesome. He's scary. You know, the fear of God is a good, healthy fear to have. You ought to cultivate the fear of God. It's not wrong to be terrified of him, is it? Because it's the only healthy fear you can have. Do you know that fear is a perversion? I'm talking about fear of death, fear of Satan, fear of sickness, snakes. That's the perversion of the fear of the Lord. Adam and Eve didn't have that fear until they fell. That's right. And they hid themselves because they were scared. But it it wasn't uh, the same fear of the Lord that we're talking about here. They were afraid because they messed up. So we've got to be very careful that the fear of the Lord that we are walking in 
is not a wrong fear, a, a religious fear, okay? But Jesus says you ought to fear the one that can put you in hell and destroy your eternity. And even as we know him and walk in his love and his mercy and his grace, we do that with a healthy fear of the Lord. Now, look, watch this. He is a great king. This is so important. Okay, we're closing with this. He is a great king over all the earth. One of the things that we need to be very careful of when we talk about kingdom ambassadors is that we need to get the identity part of it right. And we need to get the relationship part of it right. Because when you talk about, you're an ambassador for the kingdom. You're not sent, you're not sent to territory that isn't your own. Like in the natural, you're the, the ambassador for Great Britain, or the United Kingdom, in Washington. He's in, he's in a friendly country, the, great, the special relationship and all that, but he's not in his own country. He's an ambassador, but he's in another man's domain, another, another government's domain. The government of America, he's in there as a representative of the government of Britain, but he's not American. So he's in foreign soil, foreign territory. But that's not what you and I have as ambassadors for Christ. Because the king we represent is over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. We're not going there to, to suck up. And oh, you know, we, we, want, we want peaceful relations. <coughs> Please don't be angry. We know that this is your territory, Mr. Devil. So, but we're here as ambassadors for the Lord and we just want... We just want to bring peace and love and blessings to all. No, the whole earth belongs to our king. So, yes, we're ambassadors, but we're ambassadors in our own territory. That's the difference. Now, yes, there are parts of the earth, certain territories and countries and nations, cities, <coughs> That was said. But we bring reconciliation. You know, we're not there going, oh, please, please like us. Please love us. We're there saying, look, we're coming off in peace. But ultimately, because uh, it says that the kings rebel against the Lord. And we're not going to them saying, oh, please don't do that. Jesus loves you. We're going to them and saying, kiss the sun lest they be angry. That's our message. Worship Jesus. Because it's not going to be good for you if you don't. We're not being arrogant about it. We're not being horrible about it. But we're being biblical about it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, see those cords and restraints that you want to throw off? They're not coming off. They're not coming off. You're not going to do the society that you want to have with 55 genders and, you know, all that. You're going to do it God's way. And we need more. You know, John Knox wouldn't have bowed down to the bales of today, would he? And we need that John Knox mantle back. He's a great king overall. He will subdue the peoples. He will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob, whom he loves, Salah. And, and I'm going to close this here. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. He says it again. He says it again. God is the king of all the earth. He's not the king of some of the earth. He's not the king of part of the earth. He's not the king of Scotland, but he's not the king of England. He's the king of all the earth. Amen. Sing praises with understanding. So we don't just, oh, we praise you, Lord. We sing praises with understanding because you own the whole shooting match, Lord. And if you own it all, and you're the king of it all, then that means that if people rebel against you, they have to be subdued. They have to be brought into subjection, which is why Jesus says, go disciple the nations. Because they're away from me. Go, go bring reconciliation. But we're not going into foreign territory. We're not going into the devil's territory. We're going into God's territory. 
And we're saying we're claiming this land back. This is our place. Abraham is the heir of the whole earth. And we're his children. This is our inheritance. Oh, by the way, the nations, they're Jesus' inheritance. Jesus needs a footstool. And we're here to make it happen. Then he says, God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. I like the King James, God sits on the throne of his holiness. Isn't that wonderful? He reigns over the heathen, the nations. And watch this, this this is the bit, I'm going to close with this, but I had to get here. The princes of the people have gathered together, the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God, he is greatly exalted. Now, let me just say this to you. This is the bit that should have you dancing. Okay, you're allowed to dance. That bit where it says the shields of the earth belong to God, he's speaking about heraldic shields. He's speaking about the shields that rulers have. You know, like uh, the royal arms and things like that. Presidential seal. <coughs> and in fact, the Hebrew word for this uh, is, can be and is translated, I've not got my NIV with me, but it's translated as kings, leaders, rulers, or dominions in different translations. So what he's saying is this. All the offices of state on the earth, the presidential, the White House, the Kremlin, all of these places... What does he say? What does the Bible say? What does God say? They belong to God. We're not going to these kings and saying, please, can we preach the gospel in your nation? People have done that before. That's okay. But we're in the new wineskin now. And the new wineskin is, you know, that that number 10 Downing Street. That doesn't belong to the UK government. That doesn't belong to the, the globalist order. That doesn't belong to you, Mr. Prime Minister, and it doesn't, it doesn't even belong to the nation. It belongs to God. And so we're going to decree, we're going to declare that number 10 Downing Street is a house of prayer forever in Jesus' name. And if people won't comply with that, well, they can't come in here. We, we need the church to, to function and think like that. We need to be people who say, well, not, no, we're not going to stand for it. I think Alec prayed along those lines that we're not going to stand for that anymore. We're not going to put up with that anymore. We're not just going to say, oh, then that's terrible. We're, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to say, we stand until the thing changes and it changes into thy will be done in this place, in number 10 Downing Street, in Holyrood, in Butte House, in Glasgow City Council Chambers. We're not, we're not going to rest until it changes and starts to function as it does in heaven. And it's not, we're not, we're not rebels. We're actually bringing the one who these things belong to and saying, you need to start, you need to align with the throne of heaven because you belong to him. This office belongs to him. This government belongs to him. The houses of parliament, they belong to him. And you know what? If you just keep rebelling, he'll just burn them down. And he'll, he'll start again somewhere else. But you see, Christians, oh, that's, oh that's, that's extreme, that's severe, oh, we can't do that. Well, having that attitude has brought us living in the society we're in. That's right. So we need to start being, and I say militant, I don't mean, you know, let's get uh, rifles and all that. I'm not talking about that. This is our weapon. But we're kingdom ambassadors. But that doesn't mean that we're just nice guys, you know, preaching the gospel, trying to get drug addicts saved. We're ambassadors of a kingdom. And that kingdom is the most powerful kingdom in existence. Because it's backed up. You know, one thing, I'll close with this. One thing that the Lord keeps referring to himself with as, I think it's 22 times in the book of Malachi alone, but many, many places, the Lord of hosts, or Yahweh support. And what he's saying is, I'm, I'm the one with all these angel armies. Any one of which could wipe out a planet. But I've got millions of them. 10,000 times 10,000. I've got millions of angels. I'm the one with all the power. I'm the one with all the authority. I'm the one with, with everything that you need. And whatever comes out of your mouth will release angels. So he's reminding us that his kingdom 
is, is an everlasting kingdom, but it's a kingdom of authority and power. Because he's the Lord of hosts, the Lord, the captain of heaven's armies. Well, run out of time, folks. Um,